I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Up, up on, on, on Day presents... Conversations with a legend. Around here, we hustle for a living. Around here, around here, we grind for a living. Around here, around here, we hustle for a living. Around here, around here, we grind for a living. Welcome into another exciting edition of That's Your Mama, ran by yours truly, his son. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> it's up on game presents Conversations with a Legend. And I got my man, the myth. Yes, he is the legendary Simeon Rice, man. Appreciate you coming in, stopping by, giving a little bit of time, good brother. I had to. My 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 uh, fellow Big Ten bro, State's finest. Why not? You know what Indeed. I mean? Why not? I mean, one of one of the greatest greatest defensive players, players of of all time, especially our generation. Up for up for the NFL Hall of Fame. I'm calling it. I hope you get it. I'm certain you're going to get it at some point. Um, but this 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 podcast is not about talking about the football aspects of of things. This is more so about where where you are in life, the things that you're doing to bring attention to lessons that you operate under. Based upon, you know, when we were coming up, based upon when we played, and and that's what uh, up on game presents is with conversations with a legend. So let's start right here. Know you're from Chicago. Ended up playing your ball, born and raised. I know you played your ball at Illinois as a fighting Illini. Uh, man, one of the dopest defenses, you know, with Dana Howard yourself. Kev Hardy, I mean, just a who's who, a litter of just a flunk of just dope football players. That that level of of accomplishment and expectation 
how did that play a part in in your career to start off with? Like, because Chicago people know Chicago hard knows. So how how did that play in, into your mindset and and just how that that led into you know your college as well as your pro career? Now, when you say that, I like answering specific questions. Sure. How far from Illinois did you grow up? Well, three hours. Three hours. So, so that was a yeah, little ways yeah. off. So yeah, for me it was it was it was far. Yeah. Um and I never wanted to go to Illinois. I wanted huh. to go to uh I wanted to go to Notre Dame. Actually I wanted to go to Florida State or Michigan, but they didn't okay. recruit me. So Wow. Then I wanted to play Michigan. Yeah. So that's how <laughs> that happened. And I was a running back, you know. So a lot of things that kinda like transformed itself. But I would say more of the transformative years with me growing up in football was a lot of the things that I took from off the block, the neighborhood, the community. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like, I grew up around Vice Lords and Mickey Cobras. Mm-hmm. So when you go into these, when I went to Mount Carmel High School, Donovan McNabb, he, he was our quarterback, young quarterback. Yeah, D, he was our quarterback, but he was a second string quarterback and he was a young kid. Uh, Antoine Walker went to my high school as well. Him and Donovan were the same high school basketball, all that. So with me coming out early, you know, and I was I was a bit older. I was like two two years older than them, two three years older than them actually. And me going to Mount Carmel, I think that's where it's the first start because okay. I went legendary there, school. I was recruiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went state all four years. It was really good. Uh, I went there with the presence of mind of playing running back. I wanted to be just like Peyton. Peyton was my guy, you know, everything Peyton did, I did, you know, mm-hmm. the workouts, you know, and, you know, we had MJ in the city as well, but I wasn't really turned on by basketball, but that was kind of where I was kind of like having a lot of success, but I love football. I mean, mm-hmm. I loved it. My my uncle was, uh, got drafted early, you know, back in the seventies, you know, AC Clarence Ross, you know, he was, he was that guy. So he turned me on to that game, but I really didn't like it. I love football. And okay. I, again, I thought I was going to be scoring touchdowns, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> when they moved me to defense, it broke my heart. I almost quit. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just one of those things. And then when I went, went started playing football, I think I, I, a lot of the things that arrived on the football field was not getting pumped. It was the South Side Chicago was the mentality I brought on the football field with. Like, you're not going to pump me, you know. Uh, the size doesn't matter. I'm taking on comers because when I first came out, I was the undersized. As they say, the undersized rush backer and what position I was going to play and things like that. So when I came in, I came in with a sense of urgency. So I had a legendary coach, Frank Lenny, and I learned everything from uh, play football with your head and your heart, um, hit to the whistle. Uh, football is it was became life. It was more reflexive of your family, the name on your back, the community you're from. And I was I was ingratiated with that early so much in life that it indoctrinated my thinking with it. So it was more than just playing football. It was always about sending a message, you know, and it was all about representing your family and yourself and God and everything else that was made of you. I never forget early on, we were going to play the games and this is like my junior year and I'm on the varsity and I never forget going prior before the game even started, we'll have our uh our in in our we have our in our our meeting mm-hmm. before the game and guys would be in that meeting crying and tearing. I'm in the back of the room and I'm laughing because I didn't get it. 
You know uh, what I mean? I'm like, uh, this is just a game. <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Why, why right. is everybody crying? And then, you know, you hear guys talk about my father just died. This is for him. I came out of this situation. This is for this situation. So they was dedicating all these these moments that they were going to have with these memorable moments in their life. And they, it was so much that they brought on the film. We blasted everybody. We playing East St. Louis, one of the best schools in the country, beating those guys. And with all that in mind, I started, I went from laughing to start picking some of this stuff up, you know, mm -hmm. start getting serious about the game. Like this is the, this football is a mindset. That's what I learned out of that. And I, and then with, with me going to Mount Carmel and also from being from Rosen, South side of Chicago, I brought all of those different aggressions on the field and it, it played out. It played out perfect. It played out beautiful. I wasn't highly recruited coming out of Chicago. Didn't get recruited by all the schools that I kind of wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, I wound up getting Louisville. Louis, I went in and visited Louisville. It was uh, Snellenberger was the coach. Okay. And I never when I went in. I was like, "You gonna let me play running back?" Right. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah." I was like, "At what height? High. What height were you at at this point?" <laughs> I was six four. I was like, "Yeah, six four. Okay. Play running back. He lying. Yeah." I was like, "This is lying." <laughs> then, then, um, then I went to Boston College. Went to visit Boston College and. Uh, Coach, what's coach? Your coach. You was with Who's the Giants, that? right? Giants. Yeah, coach. it was. Who? Gilbright? Oh, Coughlin. Coach Coughlin. Coughlin. Coughlin yeah, was the coach. Sure. And see, when I went on campus, I went buck wild. So when okay. I went on campus, I go I get to campus. I get I, I hook up with this little chick, Coach Coughlin, coach my defensive coordinator. I don't know if he, he he came in. They set me down. They was like, When you come here, you're gonna definitely red shirt. Da, 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 this and that, and I was like, "Well, guess I won't be coming to Boston College." Right. <laughs> so, right. a lot of the guys that I that I looked up to was already at Illinois, and um, on my visit, there was a guy named Mickey Johnson, one of my teammates. He's like, "What are you coming in at?" I was like, "A rush linebacker." And he was like, "That's my position. You better, uh -huh. you're going to transfer." I was like, "Oh, all right. right." But I didn't think nothing of it. I just, like I didn't know what red shirt mean. I just thought it was dope. I wanted uh -huh. the red shirt. But then, uh -huh. uh, you know, I didn't register. I was a true freshman starting, you know, lit the world on fire. And I really didn't look back after that, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Now, again, you, you've you been, I mean, obviously, I didn't even really think about Mount Carmel, but you have, you've been blessed to be around pretty much stone cold ballers your entire mm -hmm. career. Yeah, and, and being one, it, it isn't yeah. just like you was with them and you got the experience. You like you was one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How I mean, how does that? How did how does that work for you? Like how did, how how was that for you? That's a good question, bro. Because it's interesting. Because looking back, we our our team in particular, our defense, we had the most shutouts and we tied for the most shutouts and for the history of Illinois football. You know, we shut out I think nine ten teams. 10 teams and uh, no, nine teams or 10 teams. And when we came off the field, the third, the third team defense gave up a score and that was the first time we scored that we would have broken right. and we wanted that record. So for me and my lineage in football, I was always a part of the number one defenses ever since I've been in there. So there's a factor to this. It's your boy. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? You, I was able to get down on front. Yeah. I mean, from Illinois to going to Illinois we going into prominence there, and and keep in mind, I, I was looking at, when I when I left, I was looking back at you like, yo, what's my man you played with? Courtney that Brown. The Brown. Yeah, Brown. you and him, y'all, y'all were hellraisers, bro. Yeah. Diving up, and I'm like, because I was like, I'm here so much. I'm getting, I'm gonna get back to me, but I'm here yeah. so much about Penn State and the ten because y'all beat us. You know what yeah. I mean? When we were 
doing our thing. I mean, y'all was supposed to win. They we came back on y'all though. I, yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah, there but, yet, but I was yeah, a fan of the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking back though, I'm like, all right, Penn State was always a thorn in my hill. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. then I'm hearing about this kid that's wrecking shop, and they was like, "Sam, he's just like you." It's athleticism. He did. I'm like, let me go back and look at this kid. Then I see you freak over the line. I'm like, <laughs> you know, if you're a really great pass rusher, you like pass rushing, you like athletic type defensive player. Yeah. I mean, you were it. That you was our I mean? deal. That was your yeah. deal. So but y'all set back, the tone. Like, Yo. You, Cav Hardy, yeah. y'all, y'all yeah. set the tone. Yeah. Y'all set the tone. But, but I'm just talking about how it all kind of come full back. circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. be, I wasn't watching Illinois. I'm not gonna lie to you. I wasn't uh-huh. when I left. I'm not one of those alumni like, oh, I gotta watch the school. Yeah. I watch players, bro. Okay, and I watch you, and I yeah, watch I you did. get down. I and did. again, I yeah, never I had did. a chance to tell you this, but I liked how you got down, bro. Man, I appreciate uh-huh. that very much. And you that... kept it going when you got to the league, which I was most <laughs> not. It gave me ability to talk a little bit more shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Cause, cause Besides, the like, tenors. yo, because the Big Ten, yeah, yeah you know absolutely. what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm down in Florida, and they think it's all about. I'm like, nah, bro. You know what I mean? They don't throw the ball like that in the ten. Right. So for you to be able to get down like that in the Big Ten, you yeah. really, really thorough. You gotta be able to get. You only it. get yeah. so many opportunities. That you're means right. you're crazy efficient. You know what I mean? Man, you're right. You're right. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is safe. It's a place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For example, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who experience major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GamePresents today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GamePresents. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so you giving me my props. I, I, again, I just and it's 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 one of the most humbling things when when you hear somebody that that you you watched and you looked up to um, hail you up. But 
more importantly than the game, you have you have done something that very few do, which is you're you're enjoying your success and the things that you're doing post career. But yeah. if people if people were paying attention, they would have known that you were a personality that was transcendent of the game from day one. Yeah. You always been that dude that yeah. was overly charismatic and stuff like that. Tell us about where you're at right now and how all of those factors in playing the game, how have they played into what you're doing now? Okay, so when I was playing, you know, I, I was committed. I, I was fully committed. I didn't have family. I had a son, but I was I was married to the game. I mean, I wanted to be the best of all time. I wanted to set the records. I wanted to do all those things. And then doing all those things, though, you play a long career. You know, I want to win a Super Bowl, did that. Mm-hmm. You know, all pros and all that, did all that. But I'm also thinking towards the end, I'm like, you know, I want to be very good. I want to have the ability to come. I want the same lifestyle, number one. You know, uh-huh. so no, lifestyle is necessary. So early on as a youngster, you know, you, you're trying to do things. And I had, like, all my boys I came up with. But, you know, they they were ambitious for their reason. I was ambitious for my reasons, but and those ambitions didn't always line up, mm-hmm. you know. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about when you're carrying all the dudes that you went to college with, that mm-hmm. you grew up with, that you wanted them to be on, that you want it just as bad as for them as they do. But then you mm-hmm. find out they just really don't want that bad. They looking at your pockets. They looking mm-hmm. at your black card. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. They mm-hmm. want to be you. You know what yeah. I mean. And you're like, oh man. So then you know, I had you had that bit where you have to kind of distance yourself and you got to grow and in that process i never get going to towards towards the end of my career i was like man can i ball at a game without my boys here you know i mean i had my first situation i'm driving the game by myself i never forget how quiet it was get to the game play the game all that stuff and i'm like man the show still go on i'm still doing my thing but yeah it it didn't have i I wasn't there wasn't a celebration i didn't i couldn't celebrate with my boys like it was when I was 22 coming out of college. That was the mm-hmm. fun part. Mm-hmm. But there was a certain level of maturation that had to happen. And in that process, I started you know, looking at things I want to do. You know, I said, when I finish, I want to go to film school. When I finish, I want to make movies. I want to do things like that. And again, more importantly, you know, I'm, um, I think I'm sophisticated in understanding enough to, to know how to invest things. So I want to get into that too. I don't know how. I don't have a real sense of direction. It's not like football because it's not my outside of filmmaking. Filmmaking is a passion of mine, but um, you know, I don't really have a clear, precise target I'm hitting at like I did with football because the passion is the thing that led me there. But it was like, all right, now I could do a, a more a little bit more psychological in terms of like how you invest. So. During that process, after I retired, I went to film school. You know, I went to film school. And prior to that, I was I was sitting I was represented by CAA and I had uh one of the largest public relations uh firms in the country that's out there in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh and I sat down with those guys and I was you know, we kinda like pontificated, we talked about what's next for me and I'm like, yo, I wanna I wanna do this movie thing. So they set me down with Bruce Willis. I'm on the set of his film when he was shooting his film and I'm sitting down talking to him about, you know, I want to direct movies. And then all he did was talk to me about being in them. And I'm right. like, 
people no, not I taking me. Then I direct them. Yeah, I want to direct them. Then right. I went and met with um, what's my man name? Brett Ratner. And yeah. I went down when he yeah. was directing uh, uh, Rush, Rush Hour Three. Yeah, yeah. And I met and I sit down. I met Jackie Chan, and he was you know childhood favorite. This Samurai right. Sunday. So uh-huh. I'm you know Jackie Chan and Chris Rock. I'm sitting down with those, uh, not Chris Rock, Chris Tucker. And Chris Tucker talking right. to him, chopping him up. And Chris like, Rock comes out pretty easily right now, though. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems yeah. easier to say yeah, than, yeah, than yeah, he right? has a Chris right, right now. Right. Right. So I sit down with uh, Chris, and I'll be there for a bit. But I'm shadowing, I'm shadowing Brett on that on the set. I'm shadowing, okay. and it's like a day or two. And I'm like, I'm not really learning anything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I'm not. He bringing girls in. And he introduced me to Tay, and I'm like, that's yeah. all good. But I'm here. Cause I really to learn. want to learn the craft. I'm trying to get it right. So, yeah, I really want to learn the craft. I got like, all that know, other what? stuff you do. Yeah, that, like I did easy. that. Yeah. I, I got all yeah. that. Co- I can yeah. help you out in that category. Correct. And True. I'm like, you know, I'm not being taken serious. You know what I mean? Like you right. can get in the door as you. You can get in the door. Levar Arrington is going to get in the door. People yeah. want to meet with you. People want to talk about your past laurels, all the things that you've done, the games that that inspired you. Mm-hmm. Let me get us. They just want to meet with you. Right. If not anything else, just to talk. Yeah. And I'm like, nobody taking me serious. I'm gonna go to film school. And then I'm my PR people and agents like, you don't have to do that, Sam. You just I'm like, I do. I wanna start. I'm like, I don't if I wanna if I open a restaurant, I wanna start off sweeping the floor. I wanna sure. know everything about the thing. I don't mm-hmm. I don't care about if I can circumvent the circumstance. I want the process. And then yeah. the process I'm gonna learn. So I enrolled in film school and Went to New York Film Academy and I was a student and I was one buying all the pieces and that was my flex. True, Buy all the pieces in the class. I could get the pieces like that. Like yeah. you was a rookie all over night. again. Yeah, it was fun for me. I was like, this is a cool process. You know what I mean? I thought I was going to be the oldest person in the school in the class and I wasn't by far. You know what I mean? You see people 40, 50 years old in film school and they all everybody's there to learn in this process and we crewing up and we doing things like that. We jumping on red cameras and all that stuff. And, Write stories, and I started realizing even with my professors, even when you go there, all your professors are giving you their resume at the same time because uh-huh, <laughs> you uh-huh. have the ability to, fund to hire them. So, yeah, so uh-huh. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm learning, but I'm also understanding, like, because when you go into school the second time around, at this point in my life, it's like I'm only here because I want to be. Correct. You know I mean? Nobody's making me. No I'm not ulterior motivations. Yeah. Football is yeah. not motivating me, and it's exactly. like right. school's over here. Right. I I'm here for for what I'm here for. I'm right. Because I want to be here. So right. In that process, I'm like I'm learning myself, and I'm like, man, I'm pretty good at storytelling. I'm like, I'm good at this. I'm good at writing out stories, doing our stories, creating short stories. My stories, like, I, I, you know, from this, what the students are like, one of the best in class. I mean, for one, let's be honest, I could get all the production. You know what uh-huh. I mean? If we need the Ferrari, if we need a dope scene in the <laughs> hotel, I can rent all that. So then, you know, but, and there's nothing in me. You know what I mean? I'm like, this, because uh-huh. all of it, they, they putting the pieces together. It's easy for me. You uh-huh. know what I mean? And then once you've invested over 10 years, 12, 13 years in the NFL, now you think about like, oh, we need a scene in a coffee shop. Oh, I own a coffee shop or, right. you know, a restaurant. Oh, I own a restaurant in Florida. You know what I mean? Right. Whatever you're like, I could shoot it there. I could do this here. Blah, blah, blah. My boy owned this bank over here. Like, we could get any scene we want. Right. So now I'm, I'm like, oh, this is a puzzle. This is dope. You know right. what I mean? 
So now all I need to do is create the story, create the scenario. And then put all the pieces in place. Put all the pieces in place. So I was like. Do you love Selena? Like really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so I'm like, I could do this all day. This is fun. So and now you I have did. A passion for it. And yeah, you did it. I did. I did it. Yeah. And and the yeah. title was uh, Unsullied. Uh, the, Unsullied. The, the, Unsullied. Right. Yeah. Unsullied. Yeah. Now tell me yeah. what 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 was it about? What inspired it? What inspired it is I wanted to put a, a, a well, I wanted to, t- I wanted to direct something, one, but what inspired that story in particular is I wanted to put a, a black female in a hero role where nobody okay. had to come for, where she had to figure it out herself. Uh-huh. And when I was first pitching this, I was pitching around and I, we wrote the, we wrote it. First I wrote it and I'm like, yo, I want to direct this. And I met with some of the Hollywood elites. And they loved the story, and they was like, "Yo, you wrote this." They could, they act like they was acting like I copied off somebody's work. Right? I'm like, "Yo, I wrote you it." Plagiarizing. Yeah, but the first <laughs> thing I did that I had success with, where I was like, "Yo, we just sold that," was uh, I partnered with Doug Ellen, who created Entourage, uh-huh. and we and, and I sold a show called Hardwood to HBO. Okay. You know, and I met with Doug Ellen. First of all, I met with his. I met with another guy. Brian Sharon. And this dude was so egotistical, so he was like an egomaniac. I'm in Hollywood, bro. You you live there. You know what uh-huh. I'm talking about? Oh, I get about. you. Yeah. We in Kasuya, right? In the sushi restaurant. Uh-huh. So it's, the meeting was set up by my PR guy, and they represent him as well. And when I got there, I sat down at the table, 
And I'm talking about this dude big timing on another level. Wow. Like super big timing. And it, but I was so taken back that I found it entertaining. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he was doing he was doing two stories. He was doing a story on Plexico, you uh-huh. know, coming out of yeah. prison. And he was doing the story, uh, I think it was with uh B E T with uh Michael Vick. Uh-huh. So these are two guys. All controversial. And Vic is my guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. First of all. But it's controversy. Uh-huh. So I'm telling him what I want to do in film. And he's like, you like all these other athletes that want to be in Hollywood and this and that. And, I don't have and he's very dismissive. I'm uh-huh. sitting down and he's being super dismissive. And I'm sitting here like, I ain't never had a little dude like this disrespect me like, on this level. Flex on me. Yeah. Like bad, yeah. though. And I'm super bad. And I'm laughing. You athletes. At the same time. I hate that. I hate yeah. when dudes say, He did that. You, you athletes. athletes. So he first he started talking about Plexico and how he started himself and how he worked with Plexico on this documentary about this, whatever TV show that Plex had going on. So I'm sitting here like, okay. I, and then he started talking about Vic. And he was like, yeah, I'm doing this thing with BET with Michael Vick. And all that. so his, getting his star rising back to coming out of jail this night. I said, well, listen, bro, I ain't, you know, I ain't never been in trouble with the law. You know, I'm, I'm hitting them with that. Like, I'm just trying to direct and this and that. Right. And then he's like, so what do you want to do? I said, I got this story. I got this story. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out all, all my bag, all the stories we've written, treatments that I've written. He's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Listen, Sim, I'm not going to work with you. So I was like, all right. Man, you, I was like, man, and then I'm laughing, but I'm serious. I'm like, man, right. you mad disrespectful, bro. Right. He goes on. The dude was crazy disrespectful. You guys don't know what you're doing. You don't. He talked about me. Then he first he started with you guys as a blank slate, abstract. Uh-huh. Then he went to me, like you know, you just want to be this, and he don't know me. We just meeting each other. Uh-huh. So I let him go on and on and on and on and on, and then I couldn't take him no more. And keep in mind, we got Denzel and we have the governor there at the time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He uh-huh. was the restaurant. This dude talked so crazy to me. I damn near flipped the table over on him. And I wow. stood up. I didn't, at, a per, at this point, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. You uh-huh. know what I mean? I don't live here, and this ain't my world. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm only here to get game. And they said you was a good dude, but you right. mad disrespectful, so fuck you. Right. So I'm up on my feet. I'm like, man, who the fuck you disrespecting this and that? And, <laughs> and then he like, you know, in the restaurant, the little waitress go away. I'm at him now. I'm like, bro, I, I just showed you nothing but respect. You disrespected me for 45 minutes. I found it. La- I was laughing at it at first because I wanted to see how far you was going to go. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But I don't give a fuck. You know, then, you know, now all the all the shit that has yeah. been born in me since I've been a little kid. Like, you it's don't let nobody now. talk to you like that. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, bro, I don't give a fuck about none of this shit now. <laughs> you know, this, this atmosphere is way too disrespectful. Because people say you got to be submissive for people to want to deal with you in, in Hollywood. Like, it's like this whole thing. I mean, I, I don't know about submissive, but I, I think mean, they be, be open. One, hey, bro. Really? Yeah, bro. Submissive, <laughs> yeah, like. That, submissive, like, take take the way I'm talking to you. Like, enjoy it, Simeon. Enjoy it. Enjoy this. Listen, bro, this, is, this, isn't a, this ain't cocaine in my bag. This is a script. This ain't. You know what I mean? This is business. Business is respect. Business right. is supposed to. I'm gonna sell you this 
and you're gonna buy it for whatever the cost is. Right. You know what I mean? You wanna do business with me, yes or no. You know, that's it. It don't it don't have to be disrespectful. Right. You know what I mean? Like he already had a preconceived notion of he who did. he thought you yeah. were is what it was. Yeah. He did. He went so down what happened? The all the fellas. So how so did it end? When I went off, he's like, Listen, listen, calm down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He started apologizing. And you know, I'm like, all right, bro. I didn't come here. I'm like, bro, we represented by the same person. I didn't come in. I didn't disrespect you. Right. You know what I mean? I could have. You small in stature. I could probably, I know I could beat your ass, but I ain't right. talk to you like that. I'm not, right. I don't talk to people like that. You know uh-huh. what I mean? So I'm sure, I'm, you know, this is what it is. So he's like, all right, how about if I do your favor? I can, uh, he's like, I have a roommate from college. You know who Doug Allen is? I'm like, no. You gotta know who Doug Allen is. I don't know him because I didn't watch Entourage at the time. Okay. And then I was like, okay, let me do my home. You know, and he's like, all right, he only, he's the executive producer of Entourage. I'm uh-huh. like, oh damn. So he's like, I'm gonna meet, uh, I'm gonna get you him, and I'm gonna. And he called me at the table and was like, yo, I'm with Sammy. He's like, hey. And I was like, oh damn, this dude sounds cool. And then uh-huh. he's like, take my number and give me a call. So I was like, damn, all right. He's like, don't say I've never did anything for, for you. I'm like, all right. He's like, but I don't want anything to do with it. I said, okay, <laughs> that's what he told me. I don't want anything to do with your project. Bro. So I, I, I talked to me and my partner. We talking on the phone, my producer partner. We wrote it together. I said, listen, I got a meeting with Doug. He know everything. He lives in Hollywood. He worked uh-huh. as a producer out there. Let's do this. He's like, Sim, we got to do this. I'm like, we like, I'm like, bro, how should we drive up to the set? He said, we here's the final shooting of Entourage. So we going to like the the party, the, the final week. So I'm like, how should we drive up? Should we drive up in the Ferrari? Should we drive? You know what I mean? Because you uh-huh. like, you got to make presentation to these people. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's we'll Entourage. It's Entourage. So let's drive up. Let's come on. Let's flex. Let's look good. He comes to I drive up, meet with him. First of all, I caught him. And I was hesitant to call him because of the guy I met with. I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know, bro. These dudes be way disrespectful. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not in the business. He got away with that. I'm not right. in the business of disrespect. You know what I mean? Like, on no level. So I'm like, I don't know. He's like, Sam, just give him a call. Give him a call. So I give him a call. And the dude was the nicest dude ever. Nice. He was. He was going to his son's baseball game. And like, I'm just giving you, like, he was a normal. He was like, yo, I'm going to my son's baseball game. I wish he was here. Would you go? I'm like, damn, this dude sounds cool as hell. And he was uh-huh. like, yeah, it's the final shoot. Why don't you come down? I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, just come down. Let us, let us know when you want to come down. You know, we're shooting. We're going to be wrapping up the show. But it'd be cool for you to meet the, you know, meet the cast and everything. Uh-huh. I'm like, all right, cool. So I get off the phone. I'm like, yo, dude, say you went, blah, blah, blah. Jump in the car. Drive the, drive the Ferrari, get, pick up my man. We go down to the set. And then I'm I'm still hesitant. Like, man, I don't know. You know, Hollywood, weird. They'd be like, let's do lunch and never talk. So we get, I get there. And keep in mind, I talked to him prior. And he was like, everything's set for you. So we drive up. I'm still leery. And then the person lets you in the gates. It's like, yeah, you're, you know, the guest list, all that. Uh-huh. We sit down. Then I went, when we got to the set, I went and sat with all the extras. Just because I'm like, I don't know where to sit. I don't know. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. And then, uh-huh. but he was like, yo, waving, like, come over here. And he's, I sat in the director's chair. And he's like, look at this. Tell me what you think. And I'm like, he's mad cool. Uh-huh. So he goes, what do you got for me? I was like, yo, I got I wrote this thing called Real Life Entourages of Super Celebrities. It was a, it was like a playoff entourage, but it was like reality. And he's like, I don't want to do reality. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, yeah, what else you got? And I'll show him another show I wrote, Heartwood. And look at it. 
And then the, the, the kid that plays Turtle on the set came over and was like, wow, what's this? He's like, read through it. I was like, you wrote this? I'm like, yeah. He's like, this is this is great. He tells him, he's like, yo, come here. Kid comes over, reads it. He's like, he's like, this is my next show. And then he's, he left the set. 15 minutes later, he said, he, he reads it 15 minutes. He leaves and it's like, yo, I'm going to call you in a day or two and see if HBO wants to buy it. I'm like, damn. So me my, my boy with me, we sitting here and we like, freaking out. it was that easy? Right. You know what I mean? Like we, and we wrote it that night. Like he was like, just write it. Let's write something else in case he doesn't like this. I'm like, oh, he gonna like this. And he's like, what's just write? So he wrote it that night. And that took us about 35 minutes to write. You know what I mean? But we made <laughs> it laminate. We made it look like a real university. It was like, it was about five young men that went to a, like a, um, like a, uh, what you call it? not not a high major, a mid major, and uh-huh. they blow up and they in Kansas and all this, and they become like the man and you know it stimulate all of it. So he calls me a week later and was like, "Yo, uh, HBO is gonna buy it." I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow. "We sold something. We we sold a thought, right? An intellectual property. We That's sold beautiful. a thought." Yeah, I was like, "Yo, this this something to this." You yeah. know what I mean? And then they then he called me. Six months later, I was like, they, they, just, they just hired Spike Lee to be the showrunner. Huh. I'm like, and I was like, uh, I wasn't excited about that. Okay. Because it was, I didn't want it to be, it was going to be cultural in college, but I didn't want it to be that. You know what I'm saying? I didn't uh-huh. want it to take on this like civil justice thing your social justice thing i just right. wanted to be a fun story be, right. about okay. kids in college i was like uh-huh. oh man this gonna be i'm not sick. he's like you don't sound happy i'm like man and he's like they're not gonna let you show run it to me on you and i never show you haven't you haven't done it i'm like but i know how this thing actually supposed to manifest uh-huh. so they bought it and he became the showrunner and that was it you know what i mean but from there i was like yo we could do other things so now i'm pitching a movie and they liked the movie. I met with all these these aficionados. They like we like this script. We love the script, but we want uh we're gonna cast it as you know a white. Uh huh. And I'm like, no, nah, she gotta be black because I wanted a fish out of water concept. I was like, uh-huh. yo, and I got four little sisters, and I'm like, they need a hero type character, and I I feel like this is a hero type character for some and. and put you in a role that most like girls wouldn't ever have mm-hmm. you know being like the soul hero survivor of their own story that has nothing to do with anything urban and i wanted to uh, put a girl that was a former track female in a situation where she had to think her way out of it and solve uh it, a problem within her life like a coming of age story as well as being a, a thriller and suspense story all in one wow so you get it done mm-hmm. it's bought what was the end result so like again I, i'm meeting with these hollywood execs they they like it then i'm like yo what's up and it's like you know you it's being greenlit but it's it's gonna we're gonna change it and i said listen and they were like you're not gonna direct it so i'm like yo i could this is what i'm with the film school like you think i could write it now you like the writing you're not gonna let me direct it. I was like, I'm gonna do it myself. You know what I mean? So when I did it myself, they like they liked it. 
And I'm going to just say they, because I ain't going to put them out there, because who knows, I might have to use them again. Okay. But they were like, yo, we want to reshoot it with a different cast. Uh-huh. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to put it out myself. They said, you're never going to get this thing in theaters. I was like, I'll get it in theaters. And I got it in 268 theaters. Awesome. Didn't do well. Wish I wouldn't have went that route. I, I shouldn't have went that it, route. But you that did was it. more of an ego route. Right. Yeah, but you did I didn't it. No, I didn't know. I didn't know. Right. Yeah. I should just. That's ne- what we. That's what we do. The, yeah. the lessons are yeah. in our doing. Some yeah. people get their lessons by somebody telling them. Mm-hmm. People like us, we get our lessons by doing it. Like, yeah, I can't there was tell so you much how resistance much resistance to it. Yeah, there yeah. was so much resistance to tell me what I couldn't do mm-hmm. that I'm like, and it's not about proving them wrong. I was like, let me prove myself right. You know, the highest level of actuality isn't about thinking about anybody else. It's not about, like, you know, when we were younger, when I was younger playing football, I was like, I want to prove this, I want to prove this, prove this. Yeah. Now it's not doubters. It's just about proving yourself right. Mm-hmm. This thing mm-hmm. is, a, this thing is about self. This is a self walk we got in this life. Anyway, the highest level of, you know, of thought is self actuality. So you're not thinking about anybody else in, in the first place. Let me get this off you. This would be my last question to you because mm-hmm. this is this is a super important one because I always want to have in the records with legends this this answer for for a perfect time and a perfect place. What on your on on your final moments or mm-hmm. you cease to exist anymore? Mm-hmm. What do you want people to say about Simeon Rice at that point? What do you want your lasting legacy to be? Um, I think it's simple, just that I was a good person. You know what I mean? Um, I, 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 want, I want those that, that experienced me to have that. Those that outside of my my sphere, I don't really, I don't, I don't care. I don't know how to care, you know. Mm-hmm. But within my sphere, within the people, my circle, I want those to understand that he loved deeply. He lived with a passion, like Simeon. Like there lies a man that lived with passion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when I lie there in my resting place and my body is there, but my mind, my soul is free, you will know that was a person that showed other people how to live with passion. You know. It's, mm-hmm. That's it. Dope. Yeah. Simeon Rice, y'all. Super Bowl champ. My filmmaker. God. He's the aficionado, all right? I mean, he's the mogul. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm in awe of the conversation. I, I think that these are, are conversations that our, our, our guys need to hear. You, you put your mind to it, you go do it. You put your mind to it, you go do it. Like the the premise of your story, like you you're telling all of these details. But do you realize you had to get up and start the journey to experience all of the things you just told us? And that is so power. It's so powerful. There's so many of us that just talk about it. I want to be a filmmaker. Still sitting there. I wanna. I want to go. I want to go do this. Still sitting there. To get up and do it. This is what this is all about. Is to drive home the message. Simeon Rice wanted to be a filmmaker. He didn't take the easy way out. And leverage being a football superstar. He went to school. He did it. 
he 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 got the cameras. He they they wrote the scripts. They did it. That's the key. You got to do it. It ultimately comes down to win, lose, or draw. There's always going to be a win, even in a failure, if you just do it. And that's hey, just kind of what it is. If you have a successful mind, I would say this. If you have a successful mind in terms of what you – we're talking about like a growth stock. If you know mm-hmm. who you are, like you're a football player. Growing up, we all – almost football player at one point. We both mm-hmm. were. You know, like, and you, you've risen to a level. You have to have a relapse moment and remember how you got there. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to remember, like, wait a minute. I remember how I got here. It was yeah. I was willing to sweep the floors. That's so right. In order for me to cook the food, I got to be willing to sweep the floors in my own restaurant. Indeed. I can't be bigger than the moment. You know what I mean? Indeed. Simeon Rice. This is my Conversations God. with a Legend, man. Up on Game Presents. Ah, man. Y'all been blessed Keep with some, game, some jewels. <laughs> Hey, man, all the way real, man. I appreciate you taking some time out for us. Anything you want to plug? Anything else you want to plug? Any any websites? Any any Instagram? We're, follow follow we're, social we're, followings? We're, you know, Simeon Rice underscore, Simeon underscore Rice. But where I make my killing right now is in blockchain. I was okay. uh, I started two of the biggest companies in, in the world right now in blockchain. They okay. did pretty well. You know, Riot Blockchain and TerraWorld. And All right. Terror Wolf is a good buy right now. For those Make sure y'all check it out. Wolf, baby. I'm going to circle up with you, talk right. to you about it. You need to. Right. I'm <laughs> doing victory laps, my dude. Right, I know that's man. right. I know All that's right, right. Keep living that dream. Keep being an example, man. I appreciate you coming on. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. 
and Stan we do over three whole episodes of our podcast Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.